0: Because we're talking about courage in chaos, in the chaos, and and a lot of times, how ironic that the or how perfect that the actual sound system is not working properly today. Bit of chaos well, will always step into your life just when things are going uh, well. We're going to pick up in Acts chapter tw- uh, twenty-seven. You'll see exactly what Paul is talking about whenever he talks about my God. My God is good. My God has said. My God is sovereign. He's going to tell the sailors, the soldiers, and everyone that's bre- to be shipwrecked about the goodness of God. And so that's the subtitle today, Sailors, Soldiers, and Shipwrecks. And you'll see in your life, you say, well, I'm neither or nor, but I'm going to encourage you as you get into the Word of God, you'll see your life situation. Anybody ever lose their job? Anybody ever come to a place where someone accused you of doing something wrong that was not true at all? Anyone in management? If you're in management, that always happens, right? Our customer service, we, we always learned a long time ago, customer's always right. Well, not today, because the customer will make up about anything, won't they? To get their way. And if you don't like it, they'll actually go out and, and put it on Yelp or they'll Google review you and pass on their information to the whole world to, to see. As we look into the word today, you know what's about to happen. We know we've, we've been on this journey through Acts. We only have one more chapter and we finish finished the book of Acts. It's taken over a year to get through this book. If you've been with us, I hope that you've actually managed to make it through the book of Acts and see the hand of God in Paul's life and all the other ministers of the gospel and everyone else that's involved, lost people, saved people, everyone else that's involved. I hope hope you've had an opportunity to see the hand of God at work. And maybe it's built up your courage and your holy boldness and maybe it's built up your life that you actually can see, yes, God did this for Paul. Yes, God did this for Silas. Yes, God did this in this situation for Luke. Hey, God hadn't changed. The Bible says he never changes. He's immutable. And so he'll do that for me. He might not bring you through a shipwreck. He might not even put you on a ship. He might not bring you back from actually being stoned to death. It might not be your lot in life. He might not even bring you back from a situation where everyone's accused you of falsely, but he may. Let's look at the word today and actually, actually see what actually happens here when Paul speaks. And with some, we got a review from last week. I want to back up a little bit so we can go forward and finish the chapter. We go with me, Acts chapter 27. We're going to pick up at verse 21. Paul, not being sarcastic, he stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and have not set sail from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you. Here's a, here's, but here's a clause. But only of the ship. So the ship's going to be lost. Paul's already prophesying this. For there stood before me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as he told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. So what do we know so far? The facts. The facts. Paul standing before these men, it's been a terrible storm. And I won't tell us the same stories I told last week of uh, I've heard, I got a lot of feedback from the uh, true story last week, but we know from the facts here that they're on a ship. They're in the middle of a storm. It's been at least 14 days. The men haven't eaten anything. They're struggling to, to keep the, the ship uh, headed towards Rome. They want to do their part because they get paid by their cargo. The soldiers get paid by Rome. If they fail, they die. And also the sailors, it shows their, if you've ever been out to sea and see if you can actually survive a terrible storm, it shows your seaworthiness. And Paul knew he had to go to Rome, and, and God clearly spoke to him. That's where he was headed. So we know the ship's going to crash. We know that they're going to go to a certain island. Why a certain island? If you read ahead, you know that God had a plan for Paul to preach the gospel everywhere he went, even in the middle of a shipwreck god had a plan for the if you will the island of malta to hear the gospel of jesus christ now 27. now when the 14th night had come and as we were driven upon the, and down an adriatic sea at midnight the sailors sensed they were drawing near some land and they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms and when they had gone a little farther they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms if you're not careful if you don't have a translation that tells you what a fathom is a fathom is six feet If you do the simple math, six times 20, how deep was it? I saw somebody looking at the sky. 120 feet. Yeah, they were basically, this was a fathom. A man's stretch. That was a fathom. And then they come in and they see that it's actually 15 fathoms. How deep is that? 90 feet. So they know they're coming quickly because the storm's pushing them. They know they're coming into a bay and they know that it's dropping pretty quick, right? There's 30 30 feet in just these two soundings. So what does a good sailor know? If it's getting shallow and you have a deep ship, what happens? (laughs) You're going to crash and if you're going to crash, you're moving full speed of the, of the sea and the sails. This time they didn't have engines. They didn't have rudders, but they're at the mercy of the sea. And if they run full speed in a big ship, what's going to happen? Anyone ever been in a car crash, a frontal car crash, and hit something head on or a motorcycle or anything else? it happens actually you when you hit it what happens the signs behind it everything else continues you've seen all the crash dummies and the car something in the ship when the ship's headed in and these guys are checking 120 now 90 we're coming quick to land let's get off the boat a smart sailor would get off the big boat and get into a small boat so that you can actually sail away from or row away from disaster and this is exactly what they do Verse 29, then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors, this is called dragon anchor, from the stern and prayed for some day to come. They're trying to slow the ship down. They're doing everything possible and dropping anchor many times can actually rip a ship apart as well, especially a wooden vessel. So they dropped anchor. Watch what they do. And verse 30, and as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship... When they had let down the skiff, that's the lifeboat, into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors on the front of the prow, or we would say the bow. Prow is the, the French. It just means the front of the boat. There, right, we're going to go put all the sailors on the ship, get off the ship, or we want to get off the ship to go fix the anchors. What, Paul, Paul, Paul smelt this out pretty quick, right? God showed it to him. Hey, it doesn't take all of you. And so what happens? The sailors, here's where sailors and soldiers always get into a fight. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. What the soldiers do? Verse 32, the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it drop and fall into the water. So sailors and soldiers have always been at it, even back in the day in the Bible. Verse 33, and as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Now, some of you are so mature you can't do this, but I'm going to ask you to stand. And I was going to do this the whole time we we're reading, but I would probably fall over due to vertigo. But stand like this, if you can stand. It's very important that you actually understand this when next time you read the scripture. It sounds like Paul's in a building like this. Now, there's 276 people on board. There's more people on this ship that's in this auditorium this morning. Pretty big ship, tight spaces. And imagine just for a moment we, we read this and we can think Paul's sitting there having a sermon like we're having today, and Paul speaking like this. If you want, I know you don't you can't do this, and and uh, if you if you can't move, fine. But if you're too mature, fine. But if you can, just kind of move like this as we're having a conversation. And what I want to close my eyes. Y'all making me sick. Just move around like that. So it's every circle around. And as the and it's not just that way. It's forward. It's backwards. Paul is at the top of his lungs. This is a nightmare scene. They can't see the sky. They can't feel nothing but breezes. Salt water's blowing. Uh, they're sick. They, they haven't eaten for all right. We can sit down. Y'all making me dizzy for 14 days. They're thrown back and forth. This is not a simple. This is not just a simple sermon. Paul's up on a smooth deck preaching saying, hey, gentlemen, let me tell you what's about to happen. Everyone's not feeling well at all. I mean, everyone has their sea legs knocked out from under them and they're afraid. The sailors are so afraid they're going to jump off the ship and leave it, knowing that's going to cost them if they survive their jobs. They'll never get another job as a sailor anywhere for a abandoning ship. That's what the cowards do. The soldiers know if these prisoners get away and they drown, or, or, or half of them make it ashore to this land they see and, they, and the prisoners escape and when they get a report back from Rome, what's gonna happen to the soldiers? They're gonna lose their lives. They're gonna die because they failed to get the prisoner to Rome as was expected. So the sailors were worried about their lives, the soldiers were worried about their lives and then of course the owner of the ship, what's he worried about? everything his cargo he's got to get everything and his his cargo the sailors from rome i mean the sailors and the soldiers from rome he's got to get everything to rome that was his game plan you take everyone on the board the ship 276 people now look in this room look around to the room you take everyone in this room and figure out what they're going through in their life if we sat down and talked about what are you going through in life Everyone would have a story. If you asked all 276 of these people, every one of them had a story. Every one of them had a name and their lives matter to God. And what did God do? He allows them at this point in time in their life to all be on board this ship in the middle of a storm that I'm sure Satan was involved in as well because he wants to destroy the apostle Paul because he knows he's a preacher of the gospel. Anything he can do to destroy it. But every time something happens, listen, we know that God is in charge. Isn't that true? Do you believe that with all of your heart? And no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what your situation is, no matter what you've been praying for, that God is in charge of that situation, that God's the God of it all? Same God that we sing about on Sunday. We have to apply our beliefs and our faith Monday through Saturday. Let's continue so we can actually finish the story and see what he says. Therefore, I urge you, verse 34, to take nourishment, for this is for your your survival since not a hair will fall from the head of any one of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. Now, this is the owner of the ship's cargo. He has to get, he has a deal from Egypt to Rome. What does he, he knows what he's doing. What's he throwing away? Money. He's throwing away everything that makes him money. He's throwing away part of his reputation. He knows he actually, he's doing something to actually help the ship survive. And they still have in their mind, they're going to survive the ship. Verse 39, when it was day, they did not realize that they did not recognize the land. But they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go of the anchors, which will make the ship go what? Slower or faster? I want you to see what they're trying to do. They're trying to run it as fast as they can towards the beach. And as a sailor, let me tell you, there's nothing quite as nice as seeing land when you've been out to sea for a long, long time, especially during a storm. And they let go of the anchors and let them into the sea. Meanwhile, loosening the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land and the rest some on boards and some on parts of the ship and so it was that they all escaped safely to land and we would say well at the end what a wonderful story but there's more to the story Even after, we should call them Paul's adventures. That's what this this title of this portion of the act should be called because God did a lot of work in Paul's life. Can't wait to have a conversation with Paul. Don't know how much he'll remember from this earth, but we have the scripture that will last forever. Remember, as this is happening, God puts it on Luke's heart to bring this back to remembrance so we'd have this word today. Go to your notes. I want to show you a few things, and I want to go as quick as we can through your notes. And y'all do be praying for our church family, faith family. There's a lot of people out sick. We, we've uh, had some conversations. A lot of folks are going through sickness again. So I, I think there's a local bug going around. So please don't share it. If you feel bad, you can listen in the lobby or something. Um, and there's a lot of people traveling on vacation days, So pray for Traveling Mercies. They're trying to test God's faith, uh, their faith through gas crisis and vacation. So um, do pray for our, some of our folks that are taking extra five-gallon jugs with them just to see if they can make it there and back from plans that are already made. Look at your notes, the Greek word translated courage and good cheer means literally boldness and confidence. In the Bible, courage is the opposite of fear. When God commands us to fear not, to be of good cheer and to have courage, he is always, and this is, a, this is important for you and me to know today, he is always commanding against fear, which is the opposite of courage. God is always commanding against fear. Anybody worry warts this morning? You just feel like something's going to happen. If you can continue to worry, 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 worry. Any of you worried about something that even didn't even come close to happening? I have before. I would say worry, but very concerned that I thought this is going to, this is the end of it. Any of you have a straight parent? Whenever you did something wrong as a kid, you say, I'm going to die. Anybody ever think that? Like this is the last day I will live on the planet because my dad is going to kill me. Anybody ever thought? Raise your hand if you do. Had. Some of y'all still do it today. And my mom's gonna kill me if they find out about this, I am D-E-A-D, dead dog, dead, what we used to say when we were kids. I knew I was dead. Then our worries, sometimes if we're not careful, get even greater as we get older, because maybe we didn't plan financially. I used to hear this all the time. Those who failed to, uh, to, uh, fail to plan, plan to fail. Have you ever heard that? Some, I'm sure it was some financial guru come up with that slogan. And then sometimes you can get into late in life and you didn't plan like pastors. Pastors have the right to opt out of social security because of religious beliefs, because pastors pay the full 15 percent, whatever it is, of social security. We're independently employed, but we're also employees. It's a weird situation we have. And a lot of pastors, quote unquote, pull the religious carts and they'll have to pay their social security. That's just, that's not good. If you're convicted, fine. But many get to their late ages and say, why did I do that? And I wish I had not done that. And then they try to, some have even tried to apply for it, knowing they didn't pay anything in. So people are people don't, pastors aren't perfect. You know that, right? And other people. So if you you don't plan, you get to the back of life and go, wait a minute, I should have done this. Anyone ever have regrets? I wish I'd done this. If I would've done this, when this happened in my retirement, my 401k, my 403, whatever it is, I shouldn't have pulled that money out of there. I should've did this, I should've fired that person. Uh, Cause that, that way I wouldn't have got fired. Anybody, y'all you, you picking up what I'm putting down, there's things in life we look back and say, I wish I had have, I wish I could have. Here's what I wanna encourage you today. You can't go back. So quit looking back. We call that water in the bridge. Something fun. Did y'all ever break leaves, especially magnolia leaves and race them in the water? That's how poor we were growing up. We used to race leaves. It was always a competition, but we'd break off the best leaf or find one on the ground and put them in the water. Did y'all ever do that? It's one of the funnest things to do. You can do it for hours with little kids and just race leaves. Now you had to make sure you put a hole in yours somewhere conspicuous so you could actually know that it's yours because if you have older brothers or sisters, they'll take them from you and claim the victory, no matter which leaf you race, just for the side note on that. Look into God's word and see what God says to Paul. Look into God's word and see what God says to you. He wants you to, be, he wants you to have a courageous lifestyle in the middle of chaos. Back to your notes. Chaos, on the other hand, is defined as complete disorder and confusion. All 276 people on board this ship were experiencing chaos, but through the grace of God and the courageous leadership of Paul, confidence arose. People actually had, a, they went, had the ability to go from, I can't do this, we're going to die, to eating, celebrating, and knowing that there's actually going to be survival. Not even a hair from their head. And I wonder often, did God really keep that completely true? Did not even one hair, even getting wet in the ocean or the sea, not one hair of their head was lost? Look at your notes if you would. God clearly gave Paul favor with Julius, the Roman centurion. Paul spoke his language and shared his culture. Did you know that? How do we know that Paul spoke the, what was the language of the centurion? He was of the, remember what group he was with? Julian from Rome. So he would speak Greek. Does Paul speak Greek. How do we know if you've been here? We actually see that Paul spoke to another centurion who spoke Greek and that centurion more than likely handed Paul off to this centurion and said, hey, this is a good guy. They've arrested him for false pretense. Even King Agrippa doesn't even realize or doesn't, can't find anything wrong with him, but he appealed to Rome, so he's got to go to Rome. He's no threat. And this God gave him favor with this centurion. Has God ever given you favor with someone? Someone that's not a Christian? Anyone? God's giving you a favor, giving you a ride, uh, giving you food. I remember I used to work, I was an underwriter at Farm Bureau, and I would drive every day to Columbia going, Lord, I, I really don't like this drive. It's a long drive. I don't want to move to Columbia. And I would pick up people, and God used that drive, that hour and a half plus drive, as a witnessing opportunity. I'd pick up anyone hitchhiking. Wendy would fuss at me. Don't pick up, pick up hitchhikers because they're going to, someone could kill you. Uh, so, baby, they're getting in the car with a crazier person than they are. I, I can guarantee you that. So, I would share the gospel for an hour and a half till my, till my exit. And, and many people were come to Christ in my car because of the Lord Jesus Christ and my willingness to do what he says to do. Now, I don't recommend that for everyone, but that's what happened with me. And, and I was driving one day in my, my truck. I come to this, I call it Death Valley. There's a big, used to be a pullover area, big long stretch going just before Lexington And I call that Death Valley because so many cars will be dead in that area. That's why I'd stop and help people. And guess what happens when I go through what I call Deem Death Valley going to the bridge? and My tire blows out. I have no spare. I didn't put it in the back of the truck. And I start walking. I'm in suit and tie or tie. And I'm walking. Lord, all this time that I've been picking up people on this road, you can't send one person my way to help me. And I'm walking. I've probably walked probably not even 100 feet, but I've already started complaining because it's just not fair you ever get that way grown men we, we can be just big boys sometimes right grown women you're sometimes just big little girls right we just grow taller i no longer got those complaints off my lips and said lord would you send somebody my way i didn't ask that i said lord i can't believe you didn't send anybody my way i was accusing god and about time that i said that a dually pulled over a Ford dually F-350 pulled over, said, where are you going? I said, I'm heading towards Lexington. He goes, jump in. We talked about how good God was. And I said, man, I, was, I need to ask for forgiveness. I was just complaining. And God sent you to pick me up. So we talked about how good God was. He said, where are you going? And I told him I'm going to Farm Bureau. He says, listen, I'm going right across the street from Farm Bureau. He drove me to the front door. Not only did he give me a ride, he drove me to the front door. I was able to get someone to help me with my, my vehicle. And I felt so dumb for complaining. You ever been there? Lord, are you right before you think? This is what Paul's in this situation. Paul's learned how to actually live this life. He clearly had favor with Julius here. Paul spoke his language and his culture. Go over to 1 Corinthians. I want to show you something very interesting that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. It ties in with this because we need to know the mindset of Paul. It's very important. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. If you're interested in actually how to actually live this life and how to actually go forward, this is important to see this, what was Paul thinking? What was his mindset all the time? And this is what the word of God says, First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. "For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews, to those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law." And to those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law towards Christ, meaning the law of love, by the way, that I might win those who are without law to the weak. I became as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be partaker of it with you. Paul said, listen, I've learned to adjust in life whatever i'm given by god i have figured out that's how i should respond how many of you had more than one if you had a, if whatever job you've ever had we call it a career it, what are they working in fast food retail wholesale whatever it might be who's had more than one job in your whole life who's had more than two 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 careers three four five or more Every time that you went to that new job, you had to learn something new. Isn't that true? There was some some adjusting you had to make, you had to do. Paul said, I've learned to do that with my faith, wherever God puts me. Philippians 4, 13, he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. In the good times and the bad, I can do it. Whether I'm with someone who's weak, I'll be weak. Strong, I'll be strong. Jew, I'll be a Jew. God gave him, if you will, the resume to fit in wherever he was to the centurion, he could speak Greek. He could talk the culture of Rome. He also could talk about Jesus, because he says, the God that I believe in, the faith that I have, he very much pointed back to God and back to the Lord Jesus Christ every time he spoke. Look at your notes, if you would. Paul encouraged all his fellow passengers with a word from God. We have that same word today, but when chaos may seem to surround us, and then what was the, what was the word? Take heart, believe God. Do we still have that word today? We have it in the word as the inspired word to take heart. Some of us look around today and say, Pastor, you don't know my situation. Go all the way back to the Old Testament. I'm sure Paul knew this. Go back to Proverbs, if you would, with me. I know we had to do a little bit of walking. Go to Proverbs. This will help you. Those of you that care, that want to know how to actually live life and get through this. The ones who complain the most, don't get into the word the most. Did y'all know that? Y'all said like this. You, you don't understand my life, my situation. I do understand it, that God can handle it. I don't know what you're uh, personally going through, but listen, when God's word shows us something, we should be ready to read it and mark it in your Bible, highlight it, underline it, and live it. We have to express this in life. Proverbs chapter three, look at, look at if you're there together, Proverbs chapter three. And you read this probably in vacation Bible school and Sunday school, wherever you might be as a child or as a young person. This is what the Lord inspired the writer of Proverbs to write down, trust in the Lord, verse 5, with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Isn't that contrary to our way of doing things today? If I could just get a grasp of it, if I could get my hands around it, I can handle it. I can do it. I'm a self made man, I'm a self made woman, whatever it might be. If I could just do it myself, I'll do it myself. <clears throat> and then we cut God out of the picture. But the Bible's very clear trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding; in all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil; it will be health to your flesh, and strength to your bones. And then He goes on to tell about honor the Lord with your possessions. We look at the Word of God. We talked about commands of Jesus and commands of God. When God commands something, it's that's it. How many of you ever argue with God? You might not verbally get up and say it, but how many actually, if God says do this, you do that. Anybody ever done that? Yes, we have. Why do we do that? Because it's in our sinful nature to rebel against everything good. It's in our sinful nature to say, how great is our God? And then turn back around and blaspheme the same God with our mouth by criticism, whatever else we may do. Paul explained what must happen to the ship and to the passengers and to the crew. You might not like this in this verse, but God planned the shipwreck. God planned it. You say, you mean God would cause disaster in in Paul's life and all these guys' life just to get their attention? What is the answer, church? Yeah, God planned it. It says in the word. This was God's plan. God allowed Paul to perceive the sailors were trying to abandon the ship in the middle of the storm under the pretense of putting out anchors from the front of the ship. What was God's plan? There was a shipwreck coming. God's plan, they're going to go to a certain island called Malta. And I told you, if you're not here last week, that actually bay today is still called St. Paul's Bay. Have you looked that up on Google? It's actually a resort area now today. It's called St. Paul's Bay where, the, where they were trying to run aground. These men, it's nighttime, it's stormy, it's overcast, it's raining, the wind's blowing, the waves are whipping, the ship's rocking, and the sailors, by all means, would do the stuff that sailors do by going off the ship. They're gonna go check the anchors on the front of the boat. They just didn't have a good enough plan They actually all of them went instead of just some of them. So they cut the ropes. Julius, what does he do here? You see that he ordered his soldiers to cut the ropes and loose the skiff. This all happened under the cloud of storm and the cloak of darkness there was no hope of salvation. No hope. The only, the only can you see the, the, the window of hope if you just raise the curtain of the darkness and see there was only one ray of hope. What was it? Not in the sailors uh, seamanship, not in the soldiers protection, not in the centurion, not in the owner of the ship who knew that sea like the back of his hand. There was only one little sliver of hope. And what was the sliver of hope? The very word of God through the apostle Paul. So do you trust that? These are people who are pagans. These are people who did not worship the God of the Bible. How in the world are they supposed to come to the place and hear from Paul, the preacher, and do what he says to do when they don't even believe in that God? And they know better than Paul. Paul was not a sailor, even though he'd sailed before. Y'all know if you take a cruise, it doesn't make you a sailor, doesn't it? You do know that. If you ever have a gun, it doesn't make you a soldier. There was no hope of salvation. No hope at all except the word of God. And your situation might be like that today. You're, you're stressed completely to the max. You don't know what you're gonna do. That deadline is coming. You have to make a decision and you don't know what to do. But let me tell you, young people through adults, right? There is that sliver of hope and where does it come from? The very word of God. And when they listen to what Paul says, watch what happens. If you can imagine a, a very dark curtain being lifted, just a dark shade that's being lifted, If you can imagine it just right now when we read the rest of the notes, just the morning. Morning's coming, and here comes hope. Let me look at your notes. If you would morning broke, and Paul encouraged everyone to take food. He used this time of need to here's what he did. In time of need, what did he do? He thanked God. He thanked God and had and had a worship service in the middle of the storm. Still stormy, but now morning has broken. If you will the curtain has been lifted just a little bit more paul takes this time saying men listen we've been at this for 14 days without any food they're fasting they've been sick and if you get seasick you know you can't eat anything the smell of anything good steaks seafood anything that smells good normally is just repulsive whenever you're that sick if you've never done it seasickness And swallowing red man tobacco is exactly the same feeling, just for those who never had the experience. Exactly, I swallowed a a wad that big with my brothers fishing on a church trip, by the way. Just just because it's a church trip doesn't always mean it's sanctified, all right? Just for the record. Gotta check Mr. Mike sometimes. But sure enough, swallowing red man tobacco and uh, seasickness is on the same caliber. So if I see a ship, I go the other way. My wife's always, honey, let's go on a cruise. We've been married 31 years, this year 32. And I said, I cruised for the US government for four years. I refuse to go on a cruise. I said, I'll fly anywhere you want to fly. I'll do anything you want to do, but I am not going back on the ocean except on the shore. I have to be touching sand to get in the the salt water. And I hope I can say the truth to that word rest of my life because I get motion sick very easily. The ship's still being tossed as Paul, gives thanks to God. He raised the bread. Does this happen? He broke it and he gave thanks. I can't help but think that Paul was preaching the gospel every time that he did something, even in taking food when everybody's hungry, now ready to eat because things are mornings coming. He had a worship service in the middle of the storm. Everyone is still moving about as Paul speaks. Can you see the graduation of the whole crew and all the people and all the prisoners? Don't listen to him. Let's set sail don't listen to him let's get off the boat don't listen to him let's kill the prisoners do you see that the just don't listen to him but after a while what did paul have just that sliver of hope And let me tell you about your workplace and your school your family everywhere that you do business there's darkness surrounding everyone in our society don't you see it today flip the news on for 30 seconds there's no hope people are one of those rockets flying in the middle east uh, the, the world's falling apart in America it sounds like the border crossing left and right you can get so worked up so fired up and even in your personal life things are falling apart but let me encourage you to have be courageous in that because that little sliver of hope you still have in your hand if you don't have we'll give you a copy the very words of God the very Word of God and God wants you to be that ray of light matter of fact Jesus said he was the light of the world and then when he was leaving Sermon on the Mount was he tell you and me he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. What are you supposed to do with that light? No one lights a candle and puts it under a basketball. What do they do? They put it out on a city on a hill. They actually light it so everyone can see. And no matter how dark it is in your life, suicides on, on rise, pornography is abounding. People are angry. Families are splitting. Finances are going in the, the tank. Shipwrecks look all different today. But let me encourage you be that light because when darkness completely almost feels like it's consuming they're going to come to you and say hey tell me again about jesus tell me again about what you said about the hope that you have because i have no hope and the bible is very clear there are the whole world is without hope until we share the hope that's found in jesus christ alone i challenge you to share that hope when you found hope and the sight of land the sailors cut anchor hoisted the sails and headed for shore. They're they're excited now. They're they're so excited that we're going to get out of these deep waters, these nasty waters, but Satan's always abounding, right? Just when things look promising, the ship, and I put run aground, It ran aground, the waves violently battered the, the trapped ship from the rear, caused it to begin breaking apart. The soldiers planned to execute all prisoners for the sake of duty and their lives. Let's back up just for a second. What was God's plan? Shipwreck, island, God's plan. What purpose? Preach the gospel before the shipwreck, preach the gospel after the shipwreck, preach the gospel on the island. Now we know this because we read ahead, but God is ahead of us. Did you know that? Tomorrow is not on God's timeline, but God didn't have a calendar in heaven going, oh goodness, bad stuff's happening in the Smith family tomorrow. And by the way, we're not reading this information the word of God, just for information purposes only. God always sends us scripture, so we're prepared ahead of whatever the scripture says. You're saying, what does that mean? I think our church family is gonna be experiencing some faith testing coming up really soon. And we we experience it daily, but some other tests because God has told us, trust me, prepare, be courageous. When the storms come, I'm the God of the storm. I'll see you through, I have a plan. So we must trust God's plan, trust God's hand. Last couple of things, I want you to see this. Julius kept the soldiers from their plans and ordered all to abandon ship. Those who could swim had to go first and those who could not had to find a flotation device of some sort, a piece of the ship, something in the water, they had to find something to float to land. Were there all 276 people, were they gonna make it? Yes, based on the word of God through his preacher. And do you think they were happy when they got on shore? <laughs> I know you yeah, they probably walked crooked for about two days afterwards, but the last part of your notes, all escaped safely to land, just as God said through Paul. We see God's mighty, all powerful hand at work in the lives of two hundred and seventy-six people. Y'all yeah, remember the uh, what was it, the evergreen given, I think it is I wrote the note down that blocked the Suez Canal, Suez Canal for six days. These cargo ships were imported. They're important today, but they were important in this time as well during Paul's time. Do you know what you cost? I wrote down just a number. How much they actually find that one boat for six days blocking the canal? $916 million. So shipping is very important. This, this cargo vessel owner knows the penalty of not getting your cargo there on time. The ship owner that we're reading about knows his life is going to be over by the time he gets there because he didn't probably save up. He was, he was carrying load after load after load. The soldiers knew they had to explain and report to Julius when they got aboard, uh, when they got ashore. They still had to recapture the, the, these criminals because some of them were bad actors in society. And if they let them go on the, the, the Isle of Malta, would they complain to Rome? The answer is yes, and Rome would still have their heads. Here's what I want you to know. God worked in 276 people's lives. He gave them food. He saw men give thanks and talk about how good God is. They all saw this. Do you think they praised God when they got ashore? I don't know how many sang the doxology, but I think they couldn't help but think Paul said we would crash. Paul said we would be on this island and Paul gives all the credit to God. He didn't take any credit himself. He gave all credit to his God. Surely his God must be real. And you're going to see as they warm themselves by the campfire. By the way, chapter 28, verse 1. Now, when they had escaped, they found out the island was called Malta. You'll see that next week. We'll go to the island of Malta. We'll be in St. John's Bay next week. I mean, St. Paul's Bay next week. And we'll see, obviously, how God works. St. John's, that'd be a nice place to be this week, wouldn't it? In the Caribbean, you ever been there? It's a beautiful place. I've been there. Here's what I want to encourage you this week Are you in the storm of chaos today? No matter what it be, little chaos, capital chaos, are you courageously trusting God? We have a responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ to say, God, I don't understand this. God, I don't like this. God, I'm scared. God, my faith is being tested and my faith feels very little. But God, you are the God of the Bible. You're the God who did this for Paul. You brought Paul through a shipwreck, God. Surely, what is this thing compared to a shipwreck? My life is not physically in danger. But my family's health is, my family's wealth is, and that's usually where we get hammered, isn't it? And our wealth and health, we spend all of our health gaining wealth, then we spend all of our wealth trying to get health. Isn't that how it usually works? We're a crazy bunch of people, aren't we? But we serve a holy God, same God of yesterday, today, and forevermore, he never changes. We can trust him, church. No matter what you're going through what chaos, you can trust him. Good times, you can trust him. In those tough, terrible times, you can trust him. But what do we do? Pray, asking. He says, ask, seek, and knock. Say that with me. Ask, seek, and knock. This is what Jesus said. Do you ever have a petition or something on your heart? Ask, seek, knock. And it's funny, ASK in the English translation is ask. Why don't you have from God? Because you don't. Ask, ask, seek, knock, I won 't challenge you today let 's pray together, Father God, I thank you that you love us and care for us. I know that you have a plan for every person's life, even even these pagans, the Paul Luke, everyone that's aboard this ship, all two hundred seventy six people were accounted for. you had a commitment that they would make it to shore. Father, I want to think in my heart that you all of them became Christians, but Lord, I know that's not always the case. Even here today, when we preach about trusting Jesus fully, somebody will always say, yeah, but there's always that hesitation. I don't know what my problem is. Uh, I don't know while I'm waiting. It's always a hesitation because we're sinful people. Help that person that's near as hell today, Lord, that they would actually see that they're not promised tomorrow. This storm might come and take their life that's in their life. This cancer, this heart disease, whatever it might be, this liver problem, whatever it might be, this backache, Lord, might be something major. I just pray that they would actually turn all of it over to you, as Paul did, trusting fully that you are in charge of everything. And the Father, you will see him, the ship, the crew, the prisoners, all the people of status and those with no status, you'd see them through. Because they had to do what you said to do the way you said to do it. Help us when we fail you. Help us in our daily journeys, Lord, because we're all here somewhere. We're struggling on what to do, when to do. We need you, Lord, but help us that measure of faith to grow that we might be obedient and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, no matter where you find yourself today, family, friends, listen, if you go through a crisis, and you will go through a crisis. He's there. And he didn't want to just actually hand out his hand out. You ever seen the picture of God helping up? God's not like that. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you're a Christian, the Bible says he's with you through it. He's not trying to pull you out of it. He's going through whatever you're going through together. If you would simply trust him, trust and obey, the Bible says. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but what? To trust and obey. And that's what I challenge you to do. Let's stand together today. If you need to come pray and give your heart life to Jesus Christ, we'll be here for you need to come and pray, the altar's open. If you're going through chaos today, let God know about it. He cares.
1: and it shall be given unto you see sing that first verse again.
0: Would you bow your head you may be seated and while people are still praying, I know that we're going to pray together. Let's pray. Father God, as we know that all things come from your hands, our health, our wealth and things that you give us in this life and even things that you take away, sometimes it's confusing to know what we should do and how we should do. Father, we know that you'll see us through because your word says so. And you're trustworthy, you're faithful, even when we're faithless. Father, now I'll pray for the offering today that we, we're going to give. We give that we might uh, not get back from you, Father, but that we might be blessed. We're blessed by giving out. You gave your son, Jesus, as a sacrificial gift for us. What more could we give? But, Father, you test our hearts to see even in Malachi, you told the Jews, Lord, you said, listen, trust me. Test me now and see if me, you can't out give me. I'll open the windows of heaven. Father, we thank you that you actually bless us today. Thank you for letting us give us our time, our talent, our resources. You've blessed us with so many abilities and so many experiences. Let us be the people of God who share those with the world. Thank you for your love and care. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.